I planned to go to law school after I graduated, but uh, looks like my folks won't have enough money to put me through college. Well, the world needs ditch diggers, too. Entrepreneurship, scaling business plans. Then I became the CEO man. Are you ready to be mentored by some of the best minds in entrepreneurship in the world? Then you're listening to the right podcast, Ditch Digger CEO. We're going to be interviewing CEOs and founders who will be telling their amazing rags to riches stories. These entrepreneurs who dominate the industries they serve will be sharing the secrets to their success. We'll be talking to millionaires and billionaires. Many who started with nothing. You're going to be mentored with golden nuggets of shared experiences from my guest, whose time is worth thousands and even tens of thousands of dollars per hour. I started in the paving business right out of high school. And with no college education, mentorship has been my education of choice. I started over 25 companies in the last 20 years, have generated over $1.5 billion in revenues. My guarantee is this. If you listen to Ditch Digger CEO and you want to be more successful, you will become more successful. The secrets of my success and for many of the world's greatest business leaders will be revealed. Let Ditch Digger CEO mentor you. So here we are, Ditch Digger CEO again, with my buddies, Quentin and Chris, our producer, interviewing a great friend of mine, Rhonda Waybright. And Rhonda... Um, you know, I, I, I know a lot about you and that, that's why I, I demanded that you do this with us because your story is an amazing story. And, uh, you know, your, your, your work ethic is, is, uh, is amazing. Uh, we, we're, I'm, I'm proud to have you as a friend. And so we're going we're gonna to talk a lot about, you know, Rhonda and, and how you started in business and all that. But introduce yourself, Rhonda. Well, I'm Rhonda Waybright. I'm in uh, a suburb of Indianapolis, Indiana called Fisher's. Um, live with my husband, three kids. I have a, an adult son in Chicago and I do affordable housing for a living. Awesome. And, and, uh, tell us about that. Well, let's go, let's go right into your start, Rhonda. Cause I, you know, I, I, your, your story of your start and, and how it progressed and where, where you've gotten is, is a crazy story, crazy American entrepreneurship story. And, uh, I want you to, you know, if you can go into kind of your very start of, of, of uh, how you came about this real estate, uh, you know, in this real estate business and how it became your passion and all that. Okay. Well, I think to start with that, um, I have to go back, back uh, in time to when I was a kid and how I grew up. Um, I, you know, much like my, my friend Gary and, and other people that I've, I've come to know through YPO and other groups that I've been in, uh, I, I grew up really poor. Um, my, my folks, um, Neither one of them graduated from college or high school, for that matter. My dad was an eighth grade uh, dropout. My my mom was a ninth grade dropout, and they ended up in Indianapolis, Indiana, uh, on their way from California back to my dad's home state of West Virginia. And um, in the middle, they stopped to see a friend in Indianapolis, and so that's where we landed. Huh. Um, so back so back wow. in the day, my dad worked in the car wash. Um, my mom uh, worked at the schools uh, in the cafeteria, and we just we lived an existence of you know what I what I look at now as um, poverty. You know, we just didn't have much, and we really didn't have the ability to put a lot together. So, 
uh, grew up on the south side of Indianapolis, um, had some had some friends, got into the skating rink and all that fun stuff and tried to get out of the house as much as I could uh, and ended up um, doing a work release program at, at my high school that gave me the opportunity to get out and work a little bit and make some money and figure out what I wanted to do um, differently than, than the way my parents had basically uh, lived their lives. Awesome. And, and, and what was, uh, what was that job? What type of job do you have in that, in that, uh, school release program where they, you got out of school to go work? So I started, uh, working originally, you know, I did my typical McDonald's job, um, like everyone does at 14, 15. And then I worked at a dry cleaners, um, every minute I could, uh, to make some money. Um, but what I, what really kind of gave me some drive and some, you know, a little bit of faith and my ability to do something was a program at uh, Southport High School that was re, uh, was linked to our vocational school in town, um, and it gave me the chance to to really learn typing skills and you know some office skills that that um, that opened up a door for me to to go to work at American United Life um, during the day. So I'd go to school in the morning and take a history class, for example. And then I'd go to work, actually go to work uh, downtown Indianapolis in a big high rise, which, you know, to me was just amazing and incredible. And I'd, I'd um, go down and I was a steno, you know, typist. You know, I did, you know, the the, um, the tapes, you know, dictaphone kind of things and, mm-hmm. and the insurance letters that would get pumped out to everyone telling whether their claim had been approved or not. And so I'd do that from, you know, 9 o'clock until 3 o'clock. And then I'd go to school at night at Central 9 and... And I was allowed to do that for the last two years of my high school, which really gave me a kind of a start in, you know, the work environment. See, Rhonda, that, that's that's something I didn't know about you. I, I knew that you started working early and all that, but I actually went through a vocational program for landscape horticulture, and I and I kind of liked it, right? But I I didn't my memorization wasn't that good, so I couldn't remember all the different plants and stuff. But bottom line is, I I went my my junior senior year. What I liked about it was the turf and and uh, and grading side of it. So. I, that, when I went into business at 18, that was part of what I did was grading and all that. But I didn't realize you went to vocational school also. That's kind of funny. Yeah, that was the first uh, the first real real professional type job, I think, mm-hmm. that I had. How cool was that, right, to go to go downtown and the, the big building and all that, coming from nothing and, and being around, that you know, the, the smell of money, basically, right, and success. Exactly, yeah. And then where did, okay, so where did that go then? Tell me about that. So you, so you went through high school, did the vocational program. What did, what, after high school, what happened? Well, so, um, you know, I had kind of an, uh, a rough, uh, a bit of a rough childhood. My, my folks were um, um, alcoholics, so we had kind of an interesting home life and a lot of fighting and, and issues at home. So I, my, my primary goal originally was to get out of the house as quickly as I could. So I got married at 17, which was my ticket to get out. Um, and I, and I, you know, look back on that now and see that, but I got married really young, um, and, uh, continued my work at American United Life. So at 17, I was working full time. I was married. And one of the things that I liked about that job was the fact that it was a tuition reimbursement program. It had, you know, if you got a, if you, if you, uh, received a B minus or above, they would pay for your college, um, credits. So I would walk to school at night and um, work during the day and try to, you know, be this big adult and, you know, somebody responsible in the world. And, you know, I thought I was all that because I was out on my own. And I realized really quickly that, you know, that was a lot of, you know, that was a lot of weight um, to try to be a 17-year-old, 18-year-old married 
um, kind wow. of on your own, very much on your own, and uh, and put yourself through school. So, mm-hmm. um, so I was on the eight-year plan, as it turned out. I um, I stayed at American United Life for four years. I worked full time, continued, you know, chugging out as many credits as I could. Um, really, um, I transferred around at American at American United Life to the point that um, I was in the real estate department. And um, that's when the bells and whistles went off that I'd found something that I really loved, you know, legal description and deeds and mortgages and all that terminology. And mm-hmm. I, for some reason, it just it just uh, tripped my trigger. And I switched my my major at IUPUI, uh, which is Indiana University, Purdue University of Indi- of Indianapolis, um, changed my major and went into the finance real estate uh, department or major and um from that point on, I, I was able to um, really figure out that real estate was my main focus and my love, but uh, only after changing jobs and finding, you know, responding to this little ad in the paper for a development assistant. Um, so this is now I, this is about 20, 21 years old, probably 22. Where, where were you at this point? Yeah, I was, um, it was about 21. Yeah, I was okay. 21 when I, when I got the job. Uh, for a, a developer, I just answered this small ad and got a, a job with a developer who, um, who built affordable housing and went to work for that company. And I was there for eight years. Um, and I did, you know, nuts to bolts, you know, I could put packages together. I could, um, figure out how to do the development side, the construction side. And I was making this guy a ton of money. Um, I was doing a ton of work and realized that my true passion at that point was affordable housing. How much affordable housing was you doing compared to anything else? This the de- developer you worked for. Uh, for the developer, um, that was all they did. Okay. Um, they did rural, you know, the small rural housing, mm-hmm. um, affordable units, and you know, I did quite a few of those when I was with them for eight years, um, and then realized that you know I was making, you know, I, I figured out how to do it. I knew how to do it, but I didn't have the money to go out on my own. So that's when I um, approached uh, a friend of mine that I'd worked with at AUL. American United Life, and he hooked me up with a YPOer, as it turned out. Um, didn't know the guy, didn't, you know, I had no idea, you know, really how to put this all together, but I knew financially, but I knew how to, how to do deals. And so the introduction led into, you know, basically just an opportunity of a lifetime to, you know, give me a chance to build my own company. And, and, and uh, I, I set it up originally so that I could buy out my percentage interest as I, as I did deals, as I put things together, as I built things and made them money, I would earn a percentage of the company. Uh-huh. And so that's how I really got started. Rhonda. So I feel like you're my sister from another mister. Cause you're from the South side of Indiana. I'm from the South side of Chicago, you know, so, <laughs> uh, but I was looking up something on CNN and I want to kind of get your thoughts on it. It says, you know, the five toughest counties from, for kids to escape poverty. One is in Maryland, uh, Baltimore City, Maryland, uh, another place in North Carolina, one in Hillsbury, Florida, one in Orange, Florida, and uh, obviously in Cook County, Illinois. Uh, based off of maybe your thoughts, what, you know, what are some things that you see that makes things difficult for kids to escape poverty? And, uh, and yet, how did you do it from a state? Like what mindset did you have to kind of get from where you were to where you're at now? Wow, that uh, the fact that you brought that up is in, it's incredible because we're um, we're working on a deal right now. Um, it's a it's a it's called a moving forward 
um, program in Indiana that is focused on uh, generational poverty. So we've partnered with the state of Indiana and a not-for-profit, uh, and we're the for-profit developer. Uh, so we've got a, a service provider that's coming in, and, and our whole focus is how to break generational poverty and, and try to figure out what it is that makes you know, kids follow in the footsteps and stay in that same mold that their parents kind of formed for them early on. So we're, we're working with Purdue University, the state of Indiana, um, all kinds of uh, groups have come together to try to solve what, it, what is that? I mean, what does that look like? And, and how can we help, at least from the housing perspective and services, to try to make things better? And so for me, you know, I, I, I've been able to look at it uh, from a personal side and say, what was the one thing or what was, you know, what made me get out of that, of that, you know, track that I was already kind of set, the stage that was set. And, you know, I think it was people believing in me, um, opportunities that, you know, would come along that I took advantage of. And I don't know how you, how you make someone take advantage of an opportunity, but without an opportunity at all, you know, they're never going to get out of that, of that cycle. So, you know, what can really give people hope? What can give people, you know, a little taste of, you know, if I do this, if I work harder, I can get there. You know, what is that hope factor? And for me, it was, I, I really, I think it goes back to, you know, that program at Southport High School um, that gave me the opportunity to learn a skill and to get out and show that I could be good at something. And I could, I could just, you know, parlay it from there, you know, just up, up, up. And, you know, I think that's, to me, that's what it's about for me. So Rhonda, we, and we, Quentin and I, we're, we're, we, we do a lot with mentorship and we really believe in mentorship because my, my experience is, you know, where I, I always had kind of a chip on my shoulder when I was a young guy in business and trying to grow my business. And I know you, you, you and I talk, we think a lot alike when it comes to, you know, looking back and, and looking forward and, and you know, learning off our past experiences. But, you know, mentorship was a huge, huge thing for me. There's, a, you know, people in my life I can think back that had confidence in me. Um, that there was a big thing and you know, big thing for me was, you know, people saying, oh, you know, Gary, I'm going to make the captain of the wrestling team, the captain of the football team, you know, people that had confidence in me that I, that, that other people didn't find before that. And, and I, and I think about, uh, you know, you and what you've had to done, had to do as a leader. And you haven't even mentioned that you did this as a single mom for, for many, many years, um, raised, raised your son and a great son that I know, uh, and Michael. Um, but, but again, what you did there, all things that, you know, so you had to have a, somebody as a model role model that you look to and said, gosh, that's the standard, or that's, you know, that's the, that's, that's, that's what I want to be like, or that's, you know, did you, you know, did you have anybody like that? And, and, um, and what do they mean to you if you did? You know, um, trying to think about it when I was younger, um, I had friends that, that had more than I had, um, and they had the, the kind of the perfect home life that at least in my mind, I thought it looked like the perfect home life. Um, and for some, you know, I don't know what it was, but it, it, something triggered in me that I didn't want to be like, um, I, I didn't like, like, for example, my parents both smoked. I've never tried it, never touched one. Haven't, you know, I've never taken the per the first puff. Now I just, I, that's just not, I, I could look at something and say, that's not what I want to be. Hmm. And so, you know, I don't know that there was anyone in particular or anything in particular that made me, you know, like that, but I just knew what I didn't want more than what I wanted, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Sure. And when, and, and when you think of these kids, it, it, what's, what do you feel is something that, that dri could drive them in the future? The kids that, you, you know, this program is about, um, 
you know, what, what, what's going to drive them or give them the vision of hope that they may not have otherwise? You know, I think, I, you know, I think, um, and what we're working on for this project that we're putting together, it's, it's uh, going to be located in Lafayette, Indiana. Um, I think if we can get to them early enough and give them confidence and give them, you know, something that they can um, feel good about and, and, you know, know that they have support and, um, um, you know, just to see that things can be different. Um, I, I, I'm not really sure how that's, how that looks, but, um, you know, working with the schools, working with, um, some internship programs, you know, again, to get them out in the community and in an office environment where they can look around and say, wow, this is, you know, I want to be in an office Mm -hmm. like this someday. I want to, you know, I want to drive the cars that are in the parking lot or, you know, that kind of thing. Give them that opportunity to know that it's possible, I think is huge. Sure. Well, you need, if you, if you need some, uh, mentorship down there, we got a guy across from me here that, that came from a tough, tough area. That's, uh, Great success today, and and a uh, great mentor to young kids, and and my and my part, my buddy here, Quentin. So, and Quentin could have awful, you know, for sure help on putting some people together if you ever need people down there. That's that's a uh, it's a lot of fun when you can get inspirational people in front of them, knowing that they they lived a similar life at one point, and and they're you know enjoying a great life today, right? Now, there, there's, now, has Mitch Daniels had much to do with that program? Mitch Daniels, I met a couple times. He was the governor of Indiana, and what a great, great guy he is. And, and he's, be, he's become, of course, the president of Purdue University. Um, has, he had, has he had much to do with this, Rhonda? You know, Purdue is, uh, the part that, the role that Purdue is playing is really where this is a net zero. We're trying to pull together, you know, affordable housing with, you know, uh, a net zero environment. So very low utility costs, a transportation element. Um, so that people can actually get to work and that doesn't become the reason they can't, you know, move, move forward and move ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, Purdue's role in this has really been on the net zero energy side of it. We have Indiana university, for example, who's been, uh, who's coming in and looking at it from the poverty level and, and we're going to actually track and survey, you know, where the, the tenants come from and where they end up in 20 years. They'll be part of a, you know, overall study, which is kind of cool. And then we've got Ivy Tech, which is a vocational school um, that's big here that, um, you know, will we'll provide training and more hands-on um, learning, you know, the side of the equation. So there's a lot of partners. We probably mm-hmm. have developed, you know, 15 or 20 partnerships right now. So that's Purdue's play. But, you know, I know Mitch Daniels would be incredibly supportive of anything we, you know, approach Purdue sure. to be involved in. That's just how he is. He's yeah, incredible. absolutely. So, okay. So you kind of got us into you're about 30 years old, 29, 30 years old, but, uh, you know, uh, continue on with your amazing story, girl. Okay. So, um, you know, I, my, my big sales pitch on this whole thing was, um, I, I knew how to put this together, but I didn't have any money. So I was looking for, um, you know, just the opportunity to, to show what I could do. And, um, a great YPO or, uh, Gary Probst, he was a great mentor to me, uh, didn't know me from Adam, uh, said, you know, this makes sense. I see it on paper. It'll take a couple of years to put it together. But, you know, if you do what you say you can do, um, let's start out, you know, with this first project. It took about two years for us to make any money. Um, affordable housing is not something, you, you know, you can just go out and just throw together and put it up and it's all, it's all perfect. So, you know, we had to find a site. We had to, you know, get it zoned. We had to put the first project out there and, and then, you know, build it. Um, and uh, finance it and put it in place. So I had some very um, um, patient partners, I guess, and uh, just had faith in me again, gave me the opportunity and, and uh, 
lived by the by the promise that they put together of, you know, I earned 10% of the equity on my first deal after I made a certain amount of money. And then over time, I slowly started uh, um, with my with my salary and with the uh, ownership piece that I earned or, or earned my way into, I started buying them out um, hmm. slowly but surely. So I uh, we've been in business now. Real America has been around for 23 years. Um, and I was trying to get to that that um, that 51 percent ownership piece so that I could, you know, I could serve as a woman, a woman owned business entity, a WBE, um, which brings, you know, different advantages for our business. And um, I was doing all the work and I thought, you know, I want that designation. I want to be able to get the credit for, you know, the woman owned business side of this. So that was really my driver. And then when I got there, um, you know, I, again, I looked around and, and uh, the partners had, they had their own businesses and they had their own interests. And I was really running this, this development company, uh, which we'd also, um, started our own management company, uh, to manage what we developed, um, a little bit of a control freak, I guess, a personality. We just wanted to make sure everything was done right and done well. And then, uh, from there, I just kept buying them out and completed the final buyout of the, of the company in full in 2005. All right. Yeah. So that was fun. I mean, getting to that point. So about 13 years ago, 100% yeah, Rhonda. Yep. <laughs> How awesome was that, huh? Yeah, yeah, that's good. Did you have any challenges through uh, through that whole 13-year escapade of, of being in your 100% own your own uh, business owner and WBE and everything else like that? Oh my gosh, yeah, we had lots of challenges, and you know, being a in the development and then the construction, we're our own general contractors, so we build everything that we develop. So just being a a female, um, a younger female, um, with no money in the construction industry. Um, you know, that was full of challenges right there. Mm-hmm. You know, no one, no one wanted to listen to me. Everyone thought I was just, you know, kind of some, you know, ditzy girl that would show up and try to, you know, direct a little bit of what I knew. And I think that's one of the things that I learned early on was, you know, the whole respect thing and earning your place takes time. You know, you just can't, you can't just say, say you're this and, Everyone, you know, treats you differently. So it took a while, definitely. So were you, were you, were you, I mean, were you wanting to, um, I mean, for me, I, I wanted to get older fast because I, I looked younger than I was when I was a young person in business. Were you the same way? Were you like, gosh, you need some gray hairs or gosh, a couple wrinkles and, I, you know, something because you you just weren't being respected as a young, young, young woman in business probably, right? Right. Exactly. Kind of yeah. weird, but it, that's exactly how I, I, I was thinking back then. Like, gosh, I wish I looked older. I could, you know, get more respect and whatever. So you had that same problem, huh, Rhonda? Yep. That's the achievers in us, I think. Now we wish know? we had that problem, though, right? <laughs> exactly. Now we want to re- reverse all that, you know, back, exactly. backpedal, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, you're a lot younger than me, so you're probably still, and you look better than me. You're still thinking that way. But now I'm saying, stop, stop with the gray hair and the baldness and on and on and on. But uh, anyway, uh, Okay, so so when think about that road and, and that 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 road from you know ten percent to a hundred percent, the partners you had and and that and, 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 and over that time, you know, um, were you able to be you know, were you able to lead when you had these partners that were majority and you're minority and um, and how did that look? Especially, I think I'm guessing they're all men, the, the other partners, and tell me about that. Yeah, so the 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 early partners there were four partners and um, I had a very hard time leading. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think probably the biggest challenge we had early on, uh, the friend that brought me in actually ended up being a partner in the, in the, uh, company. 
And so as we were early on trying to, I'm trying to buy my way in and, and put these deals together, um, he decided he wanted, this person uh, decided he wanted to be uh, the developer too. And so I negotiated, you know, the sale of some credits. Uh, we sell um, um, affordable housing tax credits. So that's how we raise equity for our, our projects. And so um, the one thing that I'm, I, I really am not a, a renegotiating type person. If I make a deal and I, I feel like I've done a really good job of putting a deal together, I don't come back around and, and try to change it up and get more, squeeze more out of it. I just feel that's bad karma. So in this particular instance, he, he really pushed his way in, decided to put me in my place that I was this young girl and he can negotiate this. And, you know, he, he kind of took over and, and, uh, Fortunately, the other partners, I went to them and said, if this is the way it's going to be, this isn't for me. I can't do this. And they actually did a forced buyout of him. Oh. And, uh, and, um, and, and that was a real, again, talk about giving someone, you know, um, that, that confidence. Um, that just showed me that they really believed in me. And um, they stood behind me. And they didn't, they didn't allow it to happen. So that was one of my biggest challenges early on. Uh, I thought it was over before it really got started kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But it worked out really well. So that was, that was a big one. Now, any of these partners, do they still partners with anything else? Are they, are they, are they, you know, they want, they supportive and wanting to get involved in anything else at all? Uh, you mean since then? Yes. I bought them out. Yeah, yes. I bought them But out. since then, is there anything else that, that, uh, you know, they, they want to do with you or, or no? Yeah, I'm still really good friends. One of my best friends, uh, was, the, was the, was the original partner. Um, and he and I are still really good friends. We, uh, we actually developed a storage facility together, um, and sold it not very long ago. Um, so we still cool. do, a, we, we will do a deal here and there, but for the most part, he's out of real America and, or he is out of real America, but for the most part, we, we do our own things. So, so we're and, still really great friends. So I think, think back about that time that, uh, what, you know, when, that you, that you went to the other partners. I mean, so you, to do that, you know, you, you had to gain a lot of confidence in yourself and your and your business savvy, the industry, right? Your passion for this industry in order to go to these partners, and 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 actually, you know, stand up and say, "Hey, I'm 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 not going to be in this organization if this if this is the way it's going to be." To do that, your courage at that point had to be incredible. Your and, and your confidence had to be incredible compared to let's say ten years before, right? Right. Absolutely. Tell, tell me about that. Where'd you get, where'd you get the, where'd you get the, how'd you get that confidence and the courage to do what you did there? Cause that's not easy for most people. No, I, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, early on, I just, um, in the company that I worked with or I'd worked for before, I feel like I'd kind of gotten pushed around for eight years or so. And, um, I just going out, you know, I have this young son, I had a, a young child and, um, I had a lot of confidence in what I could do and I was starting to build, you know, a reputation for doing a, a good job with what I'd done, uh, the projects that I'd put together and the way we'd run them and, and operated them. And, um, I was starting to build, um, some real, um, you know, track record and some strength and, and what I, what I'd been able to accomplish. And I think that gave me, you know, gave me the courage and gave me the voice to say, you know, I don't have to be pushed around and, and put my integrity on the line to make a few more dollars over here for my partners. Mm-hmm. And so I think when, when you show that, um, you know, the sky's the limit because, you know, you can't be pushed around and, and do things that you're not, you're not comfortable doing. So young, young woman today in business, what would you say to her in that situation right now? Because they're out there, right? There's, there's girls out there everywhere, young women out there everywhere that, that know their stuff, 
that that are are probably in the background of a business, you know, doing a lot of the work. And and I can think of a few right now, maybe in in my business that uh, that are my business today, right? They're they're doing doing a lot of stuff and really driving business. Could probably run my business, but yet maybe not stepping up and and challenging and 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 uh, you know, asking for more, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, find your voice, you know, and don't, you know, don't, don't second guess yourself. Don't, you know, find your voice, be, you know, be polite, be professional, but, you know, don't back down and, and definitely never waver on, on your values. I mean, I think that's, that's where, you know, that's where I think a lot of women could go down the, the wrong road. Um, and, you know, had I renegotiated the deals early on, uh, the way that this partner wanted to do it, I, I would never have had a name in this industry because, it's still the same. It's still the same players. There's only a few, a few players out there. So if you get that reputation early on, you're forever, you know, you're, right. you're forever going to be known as the renegotiating, you know? Yeah, we can, we can do this deal with Rhonda, but then, you know, if we want, we can go and change it later on. Cause she's, she's pretty easy about that. You know, she, she's not going to fight back. You know, she's right. I mean, that's kind of the reputation you'd gain. That doesn't work yeah. out so well in the long run. And that you don't live up to your word, you know, that's who, who wants to exactly work with anyone that, yeah, well, yeah, exactly. As a company with a partner that's that's not that's wanting to change a deal, right? I mean, you're you're going to establish that same reputation, of course, right? You you're on the team. People might trust you, but they're not going to trust the company if if there's somebody else on your team that's not not like you. So, exactly. I, I like I like that. Um, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. So, um, I have a question. Uh, when it comes to reputation, especially in business, and it seems like you have an amazing one. How did how? And we all know that reputation is extremely important, uh, specifically in business, but definitely in life. Uh, what would you say probably are some values that have assisted you to have a quality reputation for yourself? Um, you know, I first and foremost, above everything, is do what you say you're going to do. Do it better than you said you'd do it. And, you know, maintain it to the absolute highest degree you possibly can. And, you know, if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. Um, you know, and just you know, being someone that, um, that my investors and my lenders, my, my employees, um, people can count on to do exactly what I say I'm going to do. That's really, I think the number one thing, um, persistence, you know, when you, when you run across a hurdle and, and, you know, there's a roadblock thrown up, you know, how do you, how do you figure out how to get around it? And, you know, in a way that, uh, maintains your integrity and, and your quality and all that. So, um, you know, I think that's the biggest thing is just follow through and do what you say you're going to do and do it well. So tell, tell us about the, let's say the last, I guess it'd be 15 years, just since you've been hundred percent, um, you know, uh, stockholder in your organization today. Um, what, what, uh, in the last 15 years, what's come about, where have you gone from what to what, and you know, how do you measure success and how do you measure growth in, in, in your industry and in your business and, and, uh, what do you, you know, let's give us a picture of that growth over the last 15 years and what you do, to, what you did then, what you do today. So um, in the last 15 years, we've added a couple of other um, entities and, you know, companies into the fold. So there's four operating companies that, you know, sector off, you know, development, the general contracting role that we've, you know, we actually made a, a true entity, um, a design company, and then the property management company. And for, for uh, the last 15 years, each one of those, uh, you know, we used to do, you know, a project or two a year and now we're, we're scaled to the point where I still want to, I still want to see every piece of property. I still want to make regular site visits. I still want to show up, 
um, and and visit my construction sites and know who's working my jobs and you know walk through and make tweaks and changes. So I never want to be the person that is you know in seven states and never sees the piece of property that they just started construction on or doesn't know the site superintendent running their job or their employees. I, that's just not my thing. It's not my goal. So we've grown to a point now where we feel, um, and we've got probably seven or eight projects in any phase of construction or starting to start or starting, you know, getting close to construction start. And, you know, I feel like that's as far as I want to take it because beyond that, I don't, you know, I don't get to play in the dirt. I don't get to be part of it. I don't get to meet the tenants when they move in. I don't get to cut the ribbon. And so um, I enjoy what I do enough to know that I don't want to grow to a point that I don't get to do that. Tomorrow I'm going to Fort Wayne, Indiana and walking a, you know, a building that we're, we, uh, an old factory building that we're turning into market rate apartments. And that's fun. You know, I want to walk around and see where they hung the lights and make sure that the kind of lights that we, you know, we thought we were putting in, you know, that's, that to me is my driver more than the number of units or, um, you know, what the dollars are, I guess. I'm so amazed, uh, Rhonda, seriously, honestly, by you and Gary, because, you know, it's, it's one of the things that I've seen, like Gary has, I don't know, I couldn't say he had had multiple businesses and, you know, I want to say he has over 500,000 of them, but obviously that's kind of being <laughs> not going towards it. But, you know, he has... It's, ultimate, not, it's not exaggerated. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <I'm laughs> overly exaggerated. But he has he has his hands in so many hats, and so do you. And from a person who's probably starting a business, time management is extremely crucial. How are you able to do so much and yet still produce the way you do? Uh, you know, that's... I have my, my little notes on my desk and I have a great big whiteboard and I have, you know, my uh, one note and all that. I'm pretty good at prioritizing and I'm really good at delegating. So, um, I have, I have an incredible team. I, I think I have a great staff. Um, and so, you know, if you rely on them and you trust them and you can hit the forward button on an email and know it'll be taken care of, or, you know, you can, you can, um, make sure you're taking care of the things that you love and the things that are important to the overall company and companies, then I think that's the important part for me. So, you know, early on, definitely when I was working out of my house, uh, when my son was little, I, I had a bedroom in my, in my home and I'd work a lot of late nights because I, when he'd come home from school, I'd spend time with him then I'd put him down and, you know, I was doing everything. I was making the copies. I was putting the packages together. I was, you know, I was licking the stamps. I was doing all that stuff. Right. So now, um, now I can focus on, we've got a lot more going on and a lot, a lot, you know, a lot more moving parts, but I have a lot of really great people, um, that I can delegate to and know they'll do a, a, a fine job, wonderful job. How, how did you get good at delegating and, and, and prioritizing like that though, Ronnie? Cause I mean, I know in my, in my own personal experience, I wasn't very good at that early on and I, and it drove me, you know, kind of drove myself batty. And eventually I realized even if it, even if I didn't think somebody could do it as well as I might be able to do something and, you know, uh, most, most uh, often they probably did better than me. I was, I was fooling myself probably, but, but I, I often held on to things and had, think, thought I had to do everything. And eventually I figured out how, you know, how to, how to trust and delegate. And that's the only way I was able to grow. I mean, for you, how, how did that look? Yeah. I mean, I, I think, um, you know, a lot of practice and a lot of, you know, tripping up and a lot of sleepless nights wondering how I was going to get everything done. And, you know, I, I think it's just like, I think it's the growing pains. Again, if you go back to the 20 year self, your 20 year old self or your 30 year old self, that's really hard. I think that's one of the hardest things 
for people to learn. And, and with new people coming into the business in our, in our company, that's the first thing I ask them when they, as they start to grow as managers and leaders is, you know, what are you, what are you releasing? What are you letting go of? What are you following up on? And, you know, I mean, there's that old, that old rule of thumb. If I have to ask you three times, if you did something, then I'll do it myself. And then I probably don't need you, mm-hmm. you know, that, that whole thing. But once you, once you really do um, get to the point where you, you see that you can trust people and they're doing a good job and we read our books and we learn and we mature, you know, through our businesses, then, you know, it's just easier and easier to let go as you get the right people. Sure. You know, so. Yeah. And, and to see them succeed and watch them grow is, is part of the fun of all this. Right. I mean, that's so fun. Yeah. 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 So when you, when you think about it, again, let's look at, let's look at today now when, you know, as far as your, your developments, and I know you guys do stuff in other parts of the country as well. You focus a lot in your marketplace there in your region, but I know you've done stuff in, I think, I think you said Colorado and a couple other spots. Tell me about uh, the, the type of projects you got going on right now and, and the type of results you'll see, you know, in, in the next, in the coming months in let's say a year from these, these projects and uh, what that looks like. Okay. Um, well, so last year was probably one of my most challenging years in construction. Um, we had a lot going on. We had really different projects under construction at the same time. We have, we have one, um, that's, that's maybe my biggest challenge yet, and it doesn't make sense, but it's in Northwest Indiana. Um, so we have some, some union labor issues that started on, uh, early on. We have, um, so that project's a senior, senior deal that's just so needed and it's so exciting, but it's been such a pain to get to the finish line. We're still working on it. Um, we have a, a like I said, this factory uh, building in uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana, downtown Fort Wayne on the riverfront that we're converting into market rate housing, loft apartments. Um, very cool. You know, the open ductwork and the, you know, all that really, um, that neat feel, you know, mm. the big, huge industrial windows. That's fun. So I'm excited to get up there tomorrow and see that. We just finished a, a workforce housing project in Colorado in the, um, in the Roaring Fork Valley, which is near Aspen and, and um, Snowmass. Um, so, you know, it's one of the highest income areas in the, in the country. Um, and they, they love to have restaurants and, you know, hotels and people take care of them, but there's no place, you know, for anyone to live. So Mm -hmm. I worked five years on that project and, um, it's beautiful. It's right in the Valley, very close to, um, the Snowmass village turnoff. And, um, we opened that about two months ago, filled up immediately and we have a, a great waiting list. So that's a market where anxious to go back to. And I love workforce housing. It, again, it gives people opportunities. It gets them, um, living in a, in an area where they, you know, they're working and where they can be part of the community and they can contribute, contribute. And, um, and I, I just think that's huge. So, you know, not everyone again, takes advantage of the opportunity, but most people do. I mean, I think that's what we find is in, if you give in, someone an opportunity, they take it. In workforce housing, um, what's the percentage difference from the, from the marketplace? And you think about the let's say a normal market, a uh, couple bedroom place or whatever it is compared to workforce housing is, is there a pretty considerable savings? Yeah. Well, on that project, we're working on two other ones as well right now. And, and for that project in particular, you know, a market rate unit, exactly what we've built, uh, what we, what we've just completed there, it would rent for 2,800 a month. Um, we're charging, you know, 1,200, um, oh. 1,300. 1400 and, and that, you know, depending on if it's a one bedroom or two bedroom. So, I mean, it's significant out there. Um, and, and locally we have one that we're, we're getting ready to start here in, in, um, Fishers and, you know, you're still looking at, um, a price difference of, you know, maybe $800 to $900 for a unit up and 
uh, and a market rate would would rent for sixteen hundred. So oh, that's awesome. you know it's definitely enough to make a difference. So a guy like me, I I'm, I'm a working guy. Now I, I like it out west. Can I, <laughs> would, could you hook me up with one of those places, Rhonda? Yeah, sure. No, you don't qualify. I'm sorry. What? <laughs> Come on, that's not right. Cool. Um, Rhonda, how do you all? Uh, you, uh, one of Gary's, well, not one, but you know his tagline is "Discover the difference." And um, from what you said earlier, there are not too many newer players. In, in the game that you play, what makes you different than them? Um, you know, what are some things that you execute effectively for your business that makes, you know, makes you as different to have the success that you have now than what they're doing? Um, you know, I think if you asked um, the state of Indiana and the investors, you know, that buy our tax credits, um, you know, what makes Real America different than our competitors here in Indiana and even I think in Colorado, um, we've, we are very niche. I think um, we're 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 smaller, we're nimble, um, and I, I think being involved, directly involved in every facet, has has shown them a level of comfort. So it makes us different because I think our competitors um, tend to get bigger and they get more, you know, compartmentalized. Uh, you know, they do a great job and they're bringing on a lot of units and they can they can cover a lot of ground and a lot of territory. But I think the one thing that we keep in mind here um, at Real America is we really want to get to know the project and the and the, the residents and the stories. And I want to hear the stories. I want to know, you know, I want to be there when they're moving in. I, I love the ribbon cuttings. I love, you know, going to the properties, you know, right after people move in and saying, you know, what do you think? Do you love it? And I, I think that makes us different. And I think it's made us successful. And I'm happy with the niche that we have. I'm happy with the size that we are. And I don't have a, I don't have this big, strong desire to be big and Whatever I I I really like that touch. I think that's made us successful. So so Rhonda, you know you you um, talked about 2005. You became 100% stockholder, and then just a few years later, that in 2008 2009, it became the the recession. And how did you guys fare in that? And and can you tell me a little more about that. Yeah. So that was that was an interesting time for everyone. And um, I think looking back on it. Um, if you if you um, go back to 2009 and 10, especially coming out of six seven, and you know when everything was you know crazy on fire, um, suddenly everyone wanted to be in affordable housing because um, you know I had friends that were market rate developers or commercial developers, you know bigger, you know uh, you know I was in YPO with several of them, and all of a sudden they were like, hey, can you teach me how to do tax credits because you know there was there was the stimulus bill came along and you know regardless of your politics, they were trying to keep, you know, people working. They were trying to keep money flowing. They were trying to, they were trying different things to keep Mm -hmm. things moving, you know, instead of coming to a complete standstill. And we actually, we benefited from that. Um, We had projects in the pipeline that, you know, while the markets dried up for tax credit on the equity side, you know, to buy a tax credit, you had to have an income and know that you had a a need for that credit while that all kind of came, you know, to a slow halt, you know, and the markets changed, the government helped try to keep things moving along with incentives, you know, to keep people working. And I think the biggest thing for us was, you know, we got really nervous because we had a lot of equity in the banks and some of the banks, you know, for, mm-hmm. for the projects to build the projects. Sure. And our big scary point was, you know, are the banks going to be here tomorrow? I mean, we had, a, sure. we had equity in a couple of banks that literally, 
uh, we didn't know if they'd be around the next day. So we had some really stressful times. And I think it was just being, you know, we had to look at things so differently to keep us going. But it turned out to be a, a, you know, a great time for us. And that, you know, when you look back on it, but it was definitely challenging. And you learned that relationships were really, really important. Yeah. So over that time, you know, it sounds like you had new competition in that space because, there, there was some government money there. There were some incentives and, and people that weren't, weren't doing anything else, you know, weren't, weren't able to do conventional uh, multifamily stuff because they just, they weren't selling. Um, it sounds like you had more competition, um, but you fared well. And, and it sounds like the, the, the new competition was probably not as passionate, knowledgeable, and, and, and as uh, experienced as you were in it, right? Exactly. I mean, it, it, you know, at the time you were thinking, Hey, get out of my space. This isn't, this isn't right. But you know, they've all since kind of gone back to what they did before. And uh-huh. then some. so uh-huh. it worked out. Okay. Um, and we maintained, you know, what we wanted to do. So, so the, it worked out. The relationships well. you built prior to that had to mean a lot, like you said, because I mean, they, they had all the opportunities they can go anywhere else. Now there were, they can, there's a lot of other um, competitors that people could have gone to back then. And, uh, and your, your relationships before that had to matter a lot. If you didn't have them, you didn't treat people well, you could have lost a lot of business in that time. Yeah. And, you know, like our lender, it was our, our, our primary lender, lender at the time and still is. We have a great relationship with them. And not only, you know, a lot of banks wouldn't return your calls back then because they didn't know what they were doing. But not only did they return the call, they would reach out and said, you know, what do you want to do? And I, I built my first uh, self-storage project in 2009. Um, with money, you know, I've never, I'd never done one before, but the lender was there saying, let's do something. Let's get, let's get money flowing again. Let's get people working. So, I mean, that was, you know, that was just solely based on relationship. I mean, it was a great market and I had to show that, but, um, you know, that was, that was a relationship. So, so the future for, for, um, your businesses right now, I mean, what do you, what do you see five and 10 years out and how do you track the best people if, if, uh, you say, okay, I, I want to, you know, we've grown to be this great company, this nice company, and I know it to be a great company, um, a lot, you know, a lot uh, more substantial than you're going to let on to. But, but when I think about it, you know, how are you going to, how are you going to keep the, your best teams uh, in place and your best people in place, uh, in, you know, five and 10 years out? Uh, what does that vision look like? And how do you do it? You know, um, I think for, for us, I, fortunately have a group of people that have a strong passion for what we do. So, uh, they are specialists in, in affordable housing, or they have a very, very strong passion for affordable housing. And I've learned, uh, when I've tried to hire people that don't have the passion and the, and the outlook for, for what we do, um, then I tend to lose them for something glitzy and, you know, shiny that's, you know, on the other side. So I think, you know, we continue with our, you know, our reputation and pulling in people that have a passion for this and like the way that we do things. Uh, we have, you know, a saying called the real America way. Uh, if people want to be here, then that's great. They're going to, they're going to, you know, benefit financially. They're going to, you know, get the, the, um, uh, the, uh, they love the perks of going out and seeing the, the tenants on the properties and, and get, they, it, you know, it's kind of their passion as well. So I want to keep finding that, you know, I want to keep drawing that interest in and, you know, promoting from within as much as I possibly can, because they, I know they have the passion when they're, when they are, when they're starting. Right. So, um, that's how I, you know, look to the future. You better, um, you better son, stay, my, sorry about and, that, Ryan, you better stay on top of that because if you don't, uh, if you don't continue to keep those passionate people, 
people like us in the pretty businesses of seal coating, crack, <laughs> se- crack. Wait, 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 wait a minute. Don't, don't crack sealing, right? Asphalt paving, concrete paving. We're coming after your best talent if you're not careful. Oh, no. It's funny. You can go ahead and, and you've seen it, Rhonda. You know, you go to Rabine University and he shows you all of the parking and it shows you all of the, all of the pavement and you feel like you can now do pavement and then you I, leave and you're like, I think I almost had Rhonda you know, ready to come on board. Actually, she was going to give everything up to come to work with me. But I think at uh, some point, somebody talked her out of it. Right, Rhonda? That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but, uh, but no, you're right. I mean, passion is what we're talking about as, as leaders. If we have team, teams that you know, come to work and people that come to work passionate about what, we, what they do, they're going to perform really well compared to not, right? And and it's all about building culture. What what have you done, Rhonda? I mean, do you, you guys have core values or anything like that, or how do you think about the culture and and how do you build it and keep it? Yeah, we you know we spend a lot of time talking about that, um, making sure that you know we don't lose sight of what's important. And um, what's important for all of us is the resident number one. Mm-hmm. You know, we got to make sure we're doing a really good job for them. And so we we talk a lot about the the real America way. Again, you know, it's how we approach people, cooperation, you know, being authentic, um, doing what we say we're going to do, and doing it really well. Um, so I, I mean, we talk about that a lot. And when mm-hmm. we can identify, you know, somebody that doesn't have the same um, goals that we have uh, as a team we're much quicker now to say this maybe isn't the right spot for you, the right place for you. And, and we try to get the right people on the bus. So yeah, we, we build that constantly. And, and my construction, my construction uh, company is probably the biggest example I have um, of, you know, making sure the, the integrity is main, maintained in that side of it. I, you know, I hired someone, probably my, my, I hired someone that wasn't a good fit and I learned the hard way that you can't make someone have a passion to do what, what it is we're doing. So, uh, the person that's running my construction company now actually started as a site manager 10 years ago, uh, right out of college and worked his way up through, you know, a regional manager, the director of property management, and then, you know, shifted over and, and really got involved and in, engaged in construction. And is now, you know, has his contractor's license and is, you know, is just taking that all over in, in such a great leadership way. I'm just so proud of him. How, and, much, uh, how much fun is that, right? To see somebody that you really, that you know, has a passion that, that progresses and grows and, and constantly gets constantly educates themselves to be the best of the best they can be. And then you, you, your organization together with them provides an environment where they can really excel, huh? Make fun. I love that. That's, that's what it's all about. That's the best. That's the best. Tell me, tell me a little about, uh, Family. I know you. You, you know you've got uh, real estate all around you, and uh, your 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 husband's a, a, a very good friend of mine, Nick, and uh, also in the real estate world, in the real estate industry, an entrepreneur. And then your son, uh, you know, a champ champion in the Chicago market right now, and in, in the real estate industry. Um, you know, anybody that's an adult and that that uh, that uh, drinks the same water, this girl seems to seems to. You know, either be in it uh, and, and passionate about it, or becomes that, right, Rhonda? Exactly. Yep. It's it's in our blood somehow. So yeah, I met my husband, and, and he's a, a student housing uh, owner. So he we we laughed because um, in the beginning it was like who has who has the most challenging tenants? You know, um, you know we have we both have our challenges, but he has his turn. All of his units turn over every year with a bunch of crazy wild uh, college age students. And so, you know, I wouldn't trade places for him any day, but he's really, really good at it. Sure. 
it'd be a lot of it'd be kind of fun actually until you got to clean up the mess and, crazy <laughs> crazy no no i don't know and, and, then, and then michael what type of real estate is he doing now tell, tell us michael about is michael's a broker a commercial broker in chicago and he's um he focuses on senior housing um and some assisted living which is great which will feed right in when i can drag him back to indianapolis and hopefully he's the takeout plan for for good old mom here so <laughs> he does have it in his blood and I, I think he's really quite passionate too about affordable housing so you know once he gets the the wild oats sowed in chicago i'm hoping indianapolis will be a good stop for him how long has he been in chicago he's been there for five years since oh he yeah he's a chicagoan now he's not yeah, we, we got him we got him he's, no. a, he's a bears fan a Sox fan probably all that stuff might have trouble <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Um, tell, tell me about, you know, with Michael in the industry and, and all this, uh, what, what do you look at as legacy? You know, what do you think about when you think of legacy and, and uh, you know, Rhonda's legacy? What do, you, what do you want to look like? And, uh, you know, I know you and I have had this conversation, but tell the world. Um, you know, I, I, I think that um, for one thing, it's really important for me to show that um, affordable housing isn't this bad word, um, that it, that you can look back on this in 20 years and say, look at all the people that have come through the doors of, of the facilities we've built and uh, where they've gone on and, and look how great the, the properties still look. I mean, I think to me, changing the mindset of, you know, the stigma around affordable housing and, and quote those people, which is one of my least favorite words in the world, um, you know, that shows that, you know, people are all the same. I mean, you know, we all need an opportunity and everyone needs a little break. And, and that, that's my legacy. I want to change the way people see affordable housing, senior housing. And, uh, you know, if we could carry that on into the future, uh, that would be, that would be my dream. Awesome. I love it. What else you got for her, Q? She's, uh, told you she's something else, didn't I? Man, man, I'm over here writing out. I'll have some quality thoughts over here. I got some true takeaways. I can't wait to to, to give a quality summary. I'm just I'm loving it, man. It's awesome. And is there, okay, so we, we think about your industry. Now you, you're, you're mostly Indiana, Indianapolis, but you're, you're going, you know, out West here and there and all that. Would you consider going to other markets when you see other markets, you know, doing well, lots of growth. And you think about, you know, South and Texas and look at Arizona and, and, and different markets that are growing and, and, you know, growing, you know, faster than the Midwest. Um, do you, do you look at other opportunities like that? Do you think about, you know, doing, doing much more in those markets? We, yeah, we've actually looked at, um, at some, pro uh, projects down in Arkansas, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think you could go to almost any state and find the same story. Um, you know, for in Arkansas there, you know, someone actually approached us and that's really how we get our business this, these days is people approach us and say, Hey, you know, can, can you come and look at our city or our community and help us with workforce housing or with senior housing, um, which is great. So we did, we looked at that and, you know, I think for me, there's so many, um, areas in Indiana, we, we cover most of the state of Indiana and then Colorado is a huge, you know, market that I would love mm -hmm. to continue working on because I just love it out there and I love the people and, and, uh, I'd like to build an economy, you know, of scale out there. But, um, I think for me, it's really hard because I want to be able to go out and see the properties and I want to be able to get to them and I want to be part of the community that we build in. So to go to all these other states would be hard for me because I'd be on the road a lot. And I, mm -hmm. you know, I like to be home with my family or travel for fun or be in YPO or do some of the things I love to do. But um, I think there's a lot of need 
right here in Indiana and Colorado. So mm-hmm. I, I think we might take the Arkansas thing off the off the table right now. Obviously, because like you said earlier, you love playing in the dirt, right? I like to play in the dirt. That's and right. I like out, <laughs> and I like to go talk to the talk to the residents you yeah. know, and see the kids playing on the playground and oh, I just love that if you're having a bad day you go to one of the developments and as long as you know the the, the lawn the lawn maintenance programs all where it's supposed to be I mean it can turn into a bad day for but 95% of the time it's it's a good day for me when I go to the properties start looking at your pavement maintenance too will you I, I think yeah. I think you need to you know you can pick that up a little bit if you, if you need any help I know somebody <laughs> absolutely <laughs> it'd be my call do you um do you have any and I guess advice whether it be for those who because uh, I believe success principles don't change you know so do you have any advice for those who might be uh, startup entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs for today whether they're in business specifically or specifically in your business and when I mean your business uh, real estate um, advice for them correct is that what you're yeah um. You know, I, I think it's that do what you love and love what you do. And, you know, um, I think the advice is, you know, find what it is you're really, you know, passionate about and go for it. So for my son, with my son, for example, you know, I know he loves real estate, but I keep telling him, make sure it's your passion that you're going to push for. Um, you know, maybe it is market rate. Maybe it's high end luxury. Maybe you want to figure out the best marble to put on the floor, but figure out what your development, what, what your passion is behind real estate and go for it. And, you know, as it turns out, his happens to be affordable housing as well, which is works out great for me. But I think just the advice is just, you know, don't try to do something that you don't love. Because, you know, if I go to and I've tried it, I've, I've absolutely tried to go down the street and build a retail development, you know, a strip center. And it, I wanted to just beat my head against the wall. It was painful. And it's not, you know, it's not real estate is all real estate. Um, there's definitely different facets to every business. And, you know, find the part of it that you love so that you can be successful. And, and to touch back on one thing, you know, when you think of, you know, young women and that uh, are in business that, that have what it takes, right? They're sharp. They understand a marketplace. They, they, they're passionate about something, right? What would you say to young, young women looking in entrepreneurship? Um, not to let uh, stigmas or, you know, um, t- different titles of, you know, if it's construction and you like it, go for it. Don't let, don't, don't be funneled into something mm-hmm. because you think it's, what you should do or what people think you should do, but, you know, go after what it is you really want to want to chase and not, and don't hold back. Awesome. I love it. All right, Rhonda. Well, you know what? Um, you're awesome. Like, like I, as I told these guys, they, you know, I, I, uh, I, I had high expectations for my buddy and, uh, you exceeded them all as you always do everything. And, uh, uh-huh. What, Thanks, Q, what did you pick up on this? Well, I, I, as we always do, we have these Quentin true takeaways. And one of the amazing things that you have that you said earlier, respect and respect and earning your place takes time. I think that's huge because a lot of us think it's a come tomorrow, right? And it takes time from that aspect. Find your voice and never wave on it. Do as you say you're going to do. What I love the most, play in the dirt, right? <laughs> Delegate to grow or stagnate your growth. Passionate leaders keep passionate people which is extremely important but most important don't let the stigma stop you and uh that's huge that's that's really huge Rhonda. thank you for that wow Rhonda, thank you Rhonda, thank Great you story. so much for for spending the time with us today you're 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 really busy and uh got a ton of stuff going on and i and i'm always uh 
appreciative any time I can spend with you. Uh, ah, thank you. Well, thanks for asking me. I appreciate it. If you enjoy this show, please share with anyone else you think will find value here. And please go to our website, ditchdiggerceo.com for show notes, links, video clips, and more nuggets of entrepreneurial wisdom. Don't forget to follow me on social media at ditchdiggerceo and at Gary Rabine. If you listen to our show and want to become more successful, you will become more successful. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next week. Entrepreneurship, scaling business plans. Then I became the CEO man. We're blessed to build a business in America where soldiers fight for our freedom every day. Dad's work ethic was taught from the seat of a gravel truck rolling down highway. Entrepreneurship, scaling business plans, then I became the CEO man.